Hard, heavy, and hell. Badass music for badass listeners. Vinny Apice is one of the biggest and most respected metal drummers and songwriters in the world. In fact, he's in the Hall of Heavy Metal History for his contributions to heavy metal drumming. As a teenager, he played on a John Lennon album and drummed for Lennon during the former Beatles' final live performance. Vinny replaced Bill Ward as Black Sabbath's drummer during the Dio years and then joined Ronnie James Dio in founding and defining the sound of the band Dio. Vinny co-wrote all of your favorite Dio songs, which he still performs along with new songs with a mostly reunited Dio under the name Last in Line. Vinny is part of Joel Hoekstra's 13 and the supergroup Resurrection Kings, whose latest album I was ready to ask him all about. But Vinny's surprising response to my first question about the record made me change tact. Listen for yourself in the Hard Heavy and Hair interview with Vinny Apice. Become a Hard Heavy and Hair backstage VIP at patreon.com slash pariah rocks. Vinny Apice, welcome to the Hard Heavy and Hair show. Thank you for joining me. Hey, good to be here. Pariah. All right, ready to go. So the reason I asked you here is um, I wanted to talk about your newest project. It's the second Resurrection Kings album, Skygazer. Right. Can you tell us about it? Um, well, it's a new album. I, I think it's coming out this week or next week. And, uh, you know, it's, it's more of a more of a project. And I played on the first Resurrection King album. And this one, I really didn't have a lot to do with it except playing on the songs. And um, it's more of a, a project for Frontiers Records. And uh, I'm on it. Craig Goldie's on it. Uh, Chaz West is singing some of the vocals. And then uh, Alexandra, who's the producer, he seems to be playing bass on it. Whereas the last record was Sean McNabb. So, uh, and he's singing on some of the tracks as well. So it came out, it's a good album. Um, I haven't really heard the whole thing in its entirety. So uh, I've yet to, I just got some copies of it. I have to check it out. But uh, it's a nice cover and everything. They did a great job and it should be a good record, you know. Okay. Well, I've heard it and I like it. But so you're saying you didn't do much of the writing on it? No, I didn't do anything. It's one of those things where uh, I'm trying to move something off the the desk here. Uh, It's one of those things, you know, uh, you want to play on it. And uh, of course I do. I did the first one. But it was a little bit different because... uh, Last time we were a little bit more involved, each of us. This time it was more of Alexandro's kind of uh, project and the frontiers. So I just uh, played and, and uh, you know, the drums are not loud enough for me on this record, to tell you the truth. I did notice it was a little bit softer than you usually play. A little bit what? A little bit softer. The drums were a little bit lower than you usually play. Yeah, well, I didn't mix it. If I mixed it, the drums would be way out, you know, I'd sound like a Zeppelin record, but uh, these drums, it, that's the problem these days, you know, and, and a lot of people uh, mix, uh, I do a lot of sessions and projects and I hear the stuff back and I go, well, who mixed this? You know, the mix is just, they bury the drums. It's always like that. And that's probably the reason because the drums are first 
when you mix something. You go, hey, let's get the drums up, and then you work on the drum sound. Okay, mm -hmm. then let's bring the guitars in, the bass, the overdubs. That, 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 that. By the time everything's in, the drums are forgotten. I mean, that's the only theory I can come up with because I hear this all the time, and especially the bass drum. People do not know how to mix bass drums in 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 the music business. If you listen to a Zeppelin record, you could hear what Bonham plays. You could hear the rhythm that comes out of the snare drum and the bass drum. Well, that's the way it should be, especially if you're a drummer like me. I don't play the same plain vanilla stuff in in songs i i like to play a lot of uh rhythms and 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 you know different way of playing but uh yeah seem to think everybody mixes the same way they they think the snare drum should be heard and the bass drum's just in there to hold up the tom-toms or something you know physically <laughs> so I, I just get upset with that kind of stuff you know and i and i don't know either they're deaf or or uh they don't know how to mix you know Listen to, to to Dio records, the early records, there's drums in there. Hear all yeah. the drums. Listen to some of the Sabbath stuff, so all drums in there. And uh, a lot of this other stuff, drums are buried, man. Now, if you notice it, then, you know, of course it is. So, so I'm not crazy about the mix, but uh, the album, the songs are good and the stuff is good. But, uh, yeah, it's just one of those things, you know. Is there any, are there any songs that really stuck out to you that you liked working on? I liked working on a few of them. Uh, I can't, it's been a while, you know, I recorded this probably last year, so I don't remember some of the songs and I haven't really listened to uh, the, uh, the whole album, you know, I listened to a few songs that they sent me and, and my comment was the drums were a bit low. So, uh, you know, there's good stuff on there. It's got a kind of a style of its own, which is good. Um, but I think, uh, you know, mixing wise, we could have been a little bit more punch to it, you know? So, so that's what happens, you know, not every album comes out great. Like you want it to be, or you envision it, you know? So. Yeah. Um, well, how do you feel about the, the Joel Hoekster's 13 album that you put out, what was it February, uh, Running yeah. Games? Yeah, that, that sounds great. That sounds good. There was a good mix on it. A lot of energy, you know. We got um, the same guys that played on the first record, um, me, Tony Franklin, and uh, um, why can't I think of his name? <laughs> He's going to kill me on vocals. Uh, so that album came out great, you know. I think I think it's really cool. You could hear everything. Everybody, you know, you hear all the instruments. Everything is good. The songs are good. Joel's a great guitar player. I love working with Joel. So um, that that was a fun album to do. Yeah, and I did his first album as well. And uh, and then we played a cruise after the first album. About a year later, we played a cruise together, and we never uh, Russell Russell Allen on vocal. Um, yep. Sorry, Russell. <laughs> I just woke up took a nap and uh, we did the first record and then later on maybe six months or a year later we did a rock cruise and we never played together I never even met Joel except uh, on the boat when we got on the boat the ship saw Joel hey man I'm Vinny you're Joel <laughs> nice to meet you dude even though I played <laughs> on this record but we never met and never played together and um, um, we just rehearsed we all made notes and we rehearsed for two hours 
at, they gave us a room on the ship where we can have for two hours a little stage and everything. And that's what we did. We rehearsed uh, two hours and then we went and played a big show on, on, on board and it was perfect. I couldn't believe it. I mean, nobody really messed up. We just went through the songs. It was a lot of fun and uh, people really enjoyed it. So, so that was cool. Yeah, that is cool. So did when you were working on the album, were you working remotely with each other or just? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Because I, I. Same thing I, with the Resurrections Kings, same thing. They send files. Uh, you know, I play, I play on it. I'll send the drums back and uh, individual tracks. So same thing with Joel. So they could do their mix on it, you know. And uh, sometimes you never meet these people you play with. It's funny. Yeah. <laughs> but I you don't, that's not your preference to work like that, is it? It is for what uh, doing sessions. I like it. I got a studio here. These are my drums back there. And uh, I, I like putting, uh, you know, if the music's good, a lot of these are my friends and, and contacts. And I like punching in the drums. I like, you know, getting into the songs and, and putting everything together like this. Uh, but for a real band, you know, like my band Last in Line, we rehearse in a room, we play in a room. When we go record an album, we do it together. You know, that's the like the old school way that, that worked well. So that's what we do. But for these things, you can't do that. You know, you want a session, you go, hey, would you play on this record? Yeah, I'll send you, send you the files and, and it works. It does work. So. Okay. Uh, so since you brought up um, Last in Line, is it now, I know it's not the the original band, everybody together again, but was it weird playing with everyone without Ronnie? Uh, no, it wasn't weird the first time we played together. Actually, because it didn't start out like that. It started out as uh, as Vivian called me up and said, hey, I was talking to Jimmy and you want to come down and jam next week? I'm going to be in town and Jimmy's up for it. Well, I'll just play some old stuff, see how it goes and whatever. Yeah, okay. So that's how we got together, the three of us. I mean, it wasn't anything like, oh, I wish Ronnie was here or anything because it wasn't a serious thing. It was just like, let's just play those songs, see if we remember some of it, you know. And we had a good time. It was fun trying to remember the fibs, trying to remember the solos he played and uh, the arrangements of the song. So it started off that way. And then it was, it went so well, we said, let's do it again. And the next time uh, my friend Andy Freeman was in town, he's a great singer. I said, come down, you know this stuff, sing, sing a couple songs with us. So he came down and he blew everybody away. It's like, holy shit, this guy's amazing singing the Dio stuff. Yeah. And that's how we started. And we said, why don't we do a couple of gigs, you know? Gigs led to, led to more gigs, and then it led to uh, manager uh, Steve Strange got us a record deal with Frontiers, and we've since done two records. And now we're not with Frontiers Records right now, but uh, we're working on a new record for a different company. And that's probably going to be out next year. You know, this year's flying by anyway. Yeah, yeah, July already. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, so you're working on the third Last in Line album, same same group of players as last one? 
Yeah, well, Jimmy Bain uh, passed away in 2016, unfortunately. So we mm-hmm. were the original band. We were the band and we wrote that stuff with Ronnie, you know, the first couple of albums. Uh, so Jimmy, you know, unfortunately passed away. And uh, then we got a good friend, Phil Susan, who played with Ozzy and Billy Idol. He, he, he was kind of from the same uh, family, you know. He's the same age and uh, he was around all the same music you know we were doing Dio he was in Ozzy and so we're good friends for for years and we've done different projects together Phil and I so he was a natural we brought Phil in and he fit like a glove and now we've been working with Phil we did one album with Phil and Phil's very musical very great uh, great bass player great musician and uh, so it's going well so second album uh, third album's coming out really really good so we're going to get together next month and finish up the writing and the recording and stuff get that sucker ready okay what's your what's your writing process on that uh, does... writing process is the same as it was on uh the deal records the first records and the sabbath records mob rules and uh, the humanizer all those records we get in a room we jam we jam some riffs you know or whatever happens if my walk in the room viv's playing something it's happened a number of times I go, what's that he goes i don't know i'm just playing we record it uh, or maybe start working on something like that. Let's jam on that, you know? So we put it together by by jamming, playing, playing together and uh, throwing the ideas in the pot. And it's a natural way of doing it and it works really well for us. And that's what we did with uh, all the big albums. So Mob Rules, Holy Diver. Nobody came in with a song. Nobody came in and said, hey, I got this song called the Mob Rules and it goes like this. That didn't work. It just Tony played the riff. I'd jam in there and then uh, where can we go for a verse? How about we do this? We build it together. So, And that, that process produces some really amazing music. Yeah, it does because everybody's involved in it and it could change on the spur of the moment. By that, I mean, if you do it with the drum machine, um, you come in with, here's a song with the drum machine. Well, you know, and you try to the Devil You Know, Sabaton was done with a drum machine. Songs are already written. Okay. Uh, you can't really change it on the fly that quick. You know, because we sat around listening to it and said, what if we do a hang in that part? Well, okay. And the engineer had to program a hang <laughs> into the drum machine. Whereas normally you'd go, let's do it again. We'll do a hang on three and, and come back in on the end of four or whatever. So we do stuff like that. You could do it real quick. So two different yeah. things. Uh, so it seems like every time someone interviews you, they ask you to go back through the timeline of your entire career, which I'm not going to ask you to do. Yeah, but I did. <laughs> <laughs> you You have said in the past um after black sabbath you know black sabbath had a a legacy had a sound that you had to maintain when you were writing but Mm -hmm. when you and ronnie went off and founded dio it was wide open for you you had this total freedom you said to define your own sound right have have you felt like that with any other project since um yeah with last in line uh because nobody said we had to sound like dio so much we didn't nobody said anything we were just okay we got a record deal let's 
let's let's jam it out you know but what happens is certain musicians that play together have a sound yeah so vivian has a sound certain chords he might choose certain way he plays a riff and jimmy when jimmy was doing the first album uh, it just develops its own sound the three of us because we were a band before um and then when we got phil we just whatever happens you know we didn't set out a definite sound like it's the way somebody plays especially a guitar player you know i was in i was in a band called uh, kill devil hill with rex brown from ventera and it was just a real heavy band and that's because mark zavon was the guitar player um he's he's not a known dude but he's a really great guitar player but he played real heavy and mean and i recommended rex to be in the band because i thought he would fit right in and he was looking for something to to join and uh said it, it became a good a cool sounding band you know and vocalist uh, dewey was fit right in so um so we didn't we didn't have to uh sabbath's a different thing sabbath's established and uh it, it's got years and years of of history and you can't just go in there and change that you know it right. has to be played a certain way certain ways i was even play hits with that band crashes you know not a lot of snare drum ba -boom, ba -boom. it would be more of the crashes with the bass drum more mysterious kind of approaches to some of the fills to to give it more of that stay in that sound and that realm that's why it was fun to start with Ronnie. Okay, start from zero here, you know. Black, the, the, the notebook's empty. Let's do whatever we want, you know. And that's what we did. So it worked. Oh, and, and it worked great. And I'm, I wanted to, I was curious if it was like that um, with Last in Line, but I, I also knew, you know, you've got, you play a lot of the Dio hits, you know, a lot of yeah. the old Dio stuff. So I wasn't sure if you were able to get that level of freedom with this band. So it's really cool that you do get it. Yeah, we did get it. And we just played the way we play. And it's obviously sounds a little like Dio because it was the three of us in the beginning. Yeah. You know, like I said, this only started out, Last in Line started out as a fun jam. Like, hey, let's play the old songs. And then we had so much fun doing it. We did it again. Let's do gigs. And when we went out on those first gigs, we just played the Dio stuff because we didn't have original stuff. And then uh, when we started doing a record and then the record came out, well, now we have a couple of our own songs. So we put in probably three of our own songs and the rest was all Dio. And then the second album, we put in another couple of songs. But we still maintain doing those Dio classic songs. That's what people want to hear as well. <clears throat> you know, you let the audience down. We go, oh, we're going to play our new album in its entirety, and you guys don't <laughs> even know it. It's not cool, you know. People want to hear Holy Divers, Stand Up and Shout, Rainbow in the Dark, all that stuff. We yep. rock. So um, so we're smart enough to, to keep that as the foundation and then put our stuff in there. It's a great band. We play that stuff, and it's fun to play the old stuff, too. We have a good time. And what's the audience response to the newer songs? Oh, they know it. They know it. We go out and play and it's like, it's cool to see after the album's been out a little bit that people singing words and, and they've heard the song. And uh, that's, that's really, you know, fulfilling to see that, you know. And um, so they get a good, the, the new songs get great reaction. There's a couple of songs that are like the, the popular ones. And then um, 
the reaction, yeah, okay, everybody's been listening, so so it's good. It just takes a time to build it, you know. These days, yeah, no MTV to give you the head start and the, the kickstart. Yeah, the music business is totally different now. You know, there's there's no radio, there's no MTV, it's the internet, but uh, you know, it's a whole different business now. Totally different. So if you were well, actually, I know you do a lot of teaching, and you you um, uh, have the behind the kit um, Facebook oh, yeah. broadcast that you're doing. So I'm on the subject of it being a different business now. What advice would you give to the younger generation, the up and coming musicians these days? Well, um, first of all, if for a musician, you got to practice. You know become good at what you do, whether you play drums or guitar or bass, sing. And um, you got to have songs that people want to hear that that maybe stand out or a sound that stands out. Um, so you could, songs are important. You could have a great band that doesn't have good songs and they'll do OK. But if you have a shitty band that has great songs, they'll probably be really big. You know, people love songs. The power is in songs. So songwriting is important. So you got to get into that pretty heavy and, and try to work together and come up with some great songs, you know. And then as far as individual musicians, don't be an asshole in the band, you know. Uh, be on time. Uh, be a team player, you know. Support the other guys and don't and try to argue and kind of stay away from that stuff. The being on time thing's important. Uh, I mean, I played in the band, like World War, uh, not World War III, Kill Devil Hill was notorious for time. We'd say, let's rehearse at two o'clock, 3.30 people are getting there. You know, we're rehearsing. Oh, wow. I can't stand that shit. That's actually what broke the band. Well, I'm me leaving the band was I couldn't deal with that stuff anymore. You know, you call rehearsal at two, I'm, I got things to do. I'm there at two. And we rehearse and then go home. But this was just a waste of time. And then it became that at the gigs. We're supposed to go on at 9.30. Oh, okay. By the time everybody got their shit together, it was 11 o'clock. We'd go on. And, and on Monday night, so people there see the band, they stay for one song. They got to go to work the next day. <laughs> it's yeah. like, why, why you self-mutilating um, this band, you know? So... When I played with Tony Geezer and Ronnie, we rehearsed at two o'clock and I'd get there at one thirty. I see Ronnie pull up. I see Tony's in the room already playing the guitar, getting the sound out of his rig or checking out his effects or doing whatever. It's one thirty. We're not even starting yet. And that's the way it's always been. No one's ever been late playing with those guys. And uh, Dio, the same thing. Vivian, um, it's always on time. Jimmy, not so much. Jimmy uh, stumbles in a little late. You know, we could deal with it, you know. So uh, that's what I mean by being on time because it's ridiculous, a waste of time. If you And everybody gets burned out if you're getting together at 2 and nobody's get there till 3, 4 o'clock. You're sitting around for an hour, hour and a half. You kind of get a little more burned out. You know, all your energies yeah. like you were ready to go, your excitement, and it kind of 
fizzles away because you're waiting so long. So, so all those things, you know, are important. And Gene Simmons did a rock camp. I do a lot of rock fantasy camps. And he said the same thing. He said, you know, I still feel privileged to be blessed to be stay, stepping on this stage. And uh, he was supposed to be at the rock camp at uh, one o'clock or something. He was there at 11. And then he had somebody, he showed his book of appointments that day. And there were all these things that started at six in the morning. He goes, look what I did today. Boom, boom, boom. It says rock camp, 2 p.m. And it goes, it's 11.15 now, and I'm here. You know, he's early. Mm-hmm. So he stressed the point of being on time, which was very, a really good point, you know, of, of working together and not being, you know, somebody carrying your weight in the band, so... Yeah, and it's it's a matter of respect for your bandmates yeah, for the engineer that might be sitting there waiting. Yeah. You call it yeah. a band. It's a ring. It's around, you know, if one guy's not feeling good tonight, well, I'll cover for you when we're playing. You know, I'll play extra strong and cover your parts. Or That's what we do. You know, we're like family up there. So, yeah, you got you to gotta support each other. All right, that's really good advice. Thank you. Yeah. Um, on the flip side, do you have any funny stories from the road or, you know? Um, well, you know, there's, there's been a couple of things. I mean, I, I've said a lot of them already on interviews and stuff. I mean, there's been stupid things like, uh, we'd pull in a, a, a this one we were doing, uh, we're doing a, a separate band, Jimmy Bain and I, and Carlos Gavazzo from Quiet Riot. We were doing small venues and we had a white van and, you know, we go, all right, let's stop and get some fuel and stuff. So we stop white van. We all go in, use the bathroom, buy some stuff to drink, whatever. And then another van pulls up with a bunch of Oriental people in it, like a family, you know? So same we come kind of out, van? Huh? Same kind of same. van. Yeah. Okay. So we come out, we get in our van and Jimmy's still in the store and we're watching them. He comes out of the store. He gets in the van with them. <laughs> you, know, you hear screams. Ah! They thought they was going to rob him or something. <laughs> and we're cracking up. Jimmy! Oh, oh, oh sorry. Sorry, mate. Oh. They come strolling over. <laughs> Silly things like that. That's Jimmy. God bless him. I heard uh, you had a mishap on stage involving a smoke machine once. It was just the smoke machine back in the 80s with big oil drums filled with hot water. And then you used to take cold, cold, dry ice, put it in that in that uh, barrel, and that created smoke. And then they had a fan that blew it out into hoses around the stage. And that stuff's located behind me, behind the drum kit. So it was with Black Sabbath. Uh, 1980, we're playing England, and uh, I forgot Stafford Hall. I think we played 10,000 people sold out, and we played a couple of songs. Then the song Black Sabbath starts, and everything always happens if it's going to happen in that song. And when we went to the loud part, the smoke comes on, except the machine blew up. They threw the ice in and it blew up and the water went 20 feet in the air. Oh, wow. And everybody thinks that's part of the show. They're going, yeah. I don't <laughs> right. I'm like, 
holy shit. And then it all falls down on me. So the drums are useless. They're all wet. Sound like a bunch of squeaks, you know, farts. And Tony and Kaiser and Ronnie turn around and they're laughing. Oh my God. <laughs> they're just looking. And then all of a sudden I feel my back of my pants. Some of the ice went down in the crack of my pants and on my ass. And it burns. It sticks to your skin and it burns. Oh, yeah. Dry ice will do that. Going, yeah. Oh, shit. So I tell them, I got to go. <laughs> I run off the stage. Then they had to come off the stage, too, because it was wet all over the place. And I had to go to the medics and they had to pull my pants down. And I had these two female nurses picking this stuff off my ass. Little pieces, big pieces. And it burned. It made like blisters and stuff. I had to put this cream on, disinfect it, and all this stuff. But finally, they got the stage dried off. And they said, are you able to go back on? I said, yeah, what are we going to do? Not go back on? It's sold out. This, this place is sold out. We got to go on. So I came up on stage with a pillow. They gave me a pillow. And I held it up, and everybody screamed and yelled. And then we finished the show. But that was the weirdest thing ever that's ever happened wow that's that's something um given the the circumstances i doubt you got a date with those nurses did you <laughs> <laughs> nah nah they're, they're kind of older oh i was young <laughs> yeah all right i've got just one more question for you mm-hmm. you have played with some of the biggest rock bands in history you've played with so many different people is there anyone left that you really want to play with or work with that you haven't had the chance to yet? It would have been fun to play. I know Eddie Van Halen, but that would have been one cool thing. You know, I always thought, wow, it'd be great to play with Eddie. And actually, we almost did because at one point, Jimmy Bain and I were going to put a band together, a new band. And we said, we need a guitar player, you know. And we said, uh, let's call some people we know and see how that pans out i said let's start at the top let's call eddie so i called eddie and i left the message and then he called me back like a day later i didn't even know it was him because i don't that time didn't know too many people named eddie and it was a day later and i, I was in my i don't know i blanked my mind because hey Vinny, it's eddie i go eddie it's me it's Eddie. Then I hit, oh, it's Eddie. Oh, shit, man. I'm sorry. So I told Eddie what we had in mind. But at that time, he said, well, you know, me and my brother, Alex, were joined at the hip, meaning he doesn't really stray yeah. from the band and, and uh, you know, do, do many outside projects. I said, oh, cool, man. But thanks for calling me. He goes, yeah, yeah. Let me know if you need anything and, uh, and all that, you know. So, so that was a, something that might have happened, which might have been cool. Yes, uh, he's such a great player. I love the riffs and the way he plays, you know. So that would have been fun. Yeah, that would have been amazing. Uh, for a fan, From a, the perspective of a fan, that would have been amazing to hear and see. To hear Eddie in a different environment, you know. Yeah. It would have been interesting to, to, to see how he played, you know, with that. I did like some of the experiments that he did. He did some... Um, Spanish guitar influence, some more, some slowed down, more um, 
classical sounding pieces as a side project just a couple of years ago, I think, some mm-hmm. soundtrack um, wow. that I stumbled across. And it was, it was really interesting. I mean, you can really hear, I mean, you can hear how well he plays in everything, but, yeah. you know, it was a different way to hear Eddie Van Halen. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So. Yeah, it, it, was, it was cool because we played some dates together, you know. I saw them at the Whiskey when uh, out here in L.A. when the first first album wasn't even out, you know, and uh, went to see them. They said, you should go see this band, Van Halen, man. It's amazing. And I sat there and watched Eddie. I went, holy shit, man. What a guitar player. What a great band, you know, the whole thing. Yeah. And that's before they hit it big, real big. So, um, okay. So I, I mentioned you were doing behind the kit, uh, for people who haven't heard of it, what is behind the kit? Uh, that's what they named it behind the kit. And, uh, it started off as they drum, my drum company, which is sawtooth drums It's a new company and the sister companies like Chromacast, and they make all sorts of instruments, a big online business. My friend Joe, uh, owns the place and he's a great guy, very passionate musician he's a great really good great drummer kicks ass name is joe fuco and he you know i met them by doing a clinic at their store and then they went uh from the store we hooked up and eventually i started using he said i'm gonna do drums man i love you to come over so i started using their drums and then he went big online he's got a big big uh big stores online that that they do really well and now the the original stores just like a studio and offices and storage and but uh, he's they're pretty big and then they said um, you know when the pandemic hit everybody was home do you want to do a drum stream i said okay maybe you know what day should we do it tuesdays are good so we did a tuesday every tuesday at 4 p.m pacific time la time and uh at first, it was like anything. Oh, what am I going to do? What am I going to show? You know, I could start with beats and then go into how to put the fills in, do this and do that. And that. You know, you get worried about filling the time up. But I did this now. I'm over a year of these already. and I'm still doing them. Next week, I'm gone. But the following week, Tuesday, 4 p.m. on my Facebook, I'll be there. And, uh, and now it developed basically into Vinny hanging out with me. I don't think of what am I going to show I have a real uh, three four minute intro of all history of the music I played and I change it up each week and then I play to a song you know there's whatever the song could be I can't really play Dio and Sabbath because they they flag me Facebook flags me for copyright infringement <laughs> even though some of those songs I'm writer and I'm playing on all those songs and it's bullshit you know, it's bullshit. We're not yeah. selling stuff online. So they flagged me. So I got away with playing some of the songs, you know, people loved it. And then I just get obscure stuff that you haven't really heard too much of. I, I played some uh, Last in Line stuff yesterday. Uh, one song from Last in Line. Stuff that's not really copywritten. My brother and I had an album that we put out in 2016. So I play all different stuff. And, um, and then... I'll demonstrate a little bit of stuff. I'm talking, I come up with something. Whatever comes up, whatever happens, I'll go with it. And if I come up with something, I go, hey, man, I like that. That's what I'm doing here, and I'll explain it. 
And then we take questions. And my girlfriend, her name is Lala, because I can't see the questions. So she'll read the questions and she'll read them onto the mic. And uh, so we answer questions as well. People have questions and, and demonstrations. And then we'll, we'll, we usually feature a product, like get 20% off the foot pedal uh, while you're watching the show. Here's the code, different things. Sometimes it's giveaways. The stream I do has become like a real cool hang. There's about 100 to 200 people watching live. And then it stays up there and it winds up getting thousands of views. And and uh, it's really a fun thing. And actually, it kept me playing throughout the whole pandemic, where every Tuesday I had to play. I did drum solos. Uh, so it kept me in shape. That and the sessions I've been doing here. So I really thank I'm thankful for for having that you know, rather than just sitting around a year for a year over a year. And like, you're not playing that much, you know, you get a bit rusty. Yeah. And so, well, but that's I'm great. Still doing them every, every Tuesday, 4 PM Facebook. And, and that's from your official Facebook page. So people can just you yeah. know, search for, you know, Vinnie Apathy and, and yeah. on Facebook and they'll find it. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. So it's all good. And uh, next week I won't be there cause I'm traveling. So, uh, the following weekend was good. One one show I did, I, my brother came down. He lives in Florida. I'm in L.A. Uh, well, I'm in California. I'm not in L.A., L.A. And we set up another set of drums over here, and we did a double, you know. And it, I got a good drum sound on this, too. You listen to the drums. It took, it took me a long time, like a month, to figure out how to stream a drum sound, you know. I did it all different ways, and it wasn't that sh shitty little crackly sound. I got it uh, by messing around with this for, it took uh, like a month. And then I got uh, really good drum sound and bass drums kicking ass and these drums sound good to begin with. So very interesting. All right on. Resurrection Kings album's coming out next week. You're yeah. working on a third last in line. Um, yeah, and we got some and gigs coming up. Hey, let me go to my page and see. <laughs> and what page would that be? Go ahead and plug it. Vinnyapathy.com. Uh, okay, Rock and Pie, we got that. How come it's not on here? Oh, there it is. Crypticon. And it's the 16th through the 18th. And there's all uh, horror things. There's actors and there's people from all these movies. Uh, I'm one of the musicians. I don't know who else is, is in this with the musician-wise, but... Uh, it's at the Expo Center, KCI Expo Center, on July 16th to the 18th. And, uh, oh, there's my name. I'm right up there. Hmm. Yeah, Are they have, like, Dee Wallace. Just... She was in Close Encounters, you know. Oh, yeah, she was uh, the blonde oh. mother. Billy Zane, yeah. uh, Michael uh, Bihan, or whatever his name is. There. Michael Bean was in the first Bean Terminator had... movie. He was go, the Michael. guy they sent back in time, yeah. I think. Um, so it's a real cool thing. Come down and, uh, you get to meet all these people, take pictures. It's a way to get close to, to everybody that's there appearing there. And you got to pay, of course, there's different things, but everybody goes there and they know that, uh, it's an event. It's, um, you know, I've done a couple of these. I love doing them. They're fantastic. Plus I love meeting all these people, you know, last, last couple of ones I met Eddie monster from the monsters. Yeah. That oh, was wow. cool. Leave it to beaver, Jerry Mathers. This is cool. 
And then we do Then I do a thing next month with my brother Carmine. It's called Rock and Pod. And it's a, it's in Nashville, Tennessee. And that's uh, August 6th to the 8th. And that's a drum uh, event uh, where we're doing master classes, private lessons, performances, bands are going to be there, jams, all this stuff. It's like a camp for three days. It's called Rock and Pod. So uh, Carmine and I have been doing that. And then I do my uh, fantasy camps that are the normal thing. And that's coming up toward the end of the year. Go to my site. It's all up there. You can see it. Okay. I'll make sure I put a link to that and to your Facebook page cool. in the show yeah, notes for this. Great. Um, yeah. And if, if you're a drummer out there, you could do a lot worse than lear learning from, you know, Vinny and Carmine. So <laughs> yeah. consider going to that rock and pod in August. It's a noisy family. <laughs> all right well Vinny, oh, wow. thank you very much for being on the show and, and oh giving thank you time. yeah and good luck with the show and thanks for having me and everybody thanks for listening all these years i i really appreciate it so and i'm not done yet no no I'm you got a lot going on yeah <laughs> all right you guys take care all right thank you you too bye-bye keep hard heavy and hair commercial free by becoming a patreon supporter at patreon.com slash pariah rocks you want to be a hero well just follow me remember to hear the music discussed in this interview stream the on-demand hard heavy and hair show at pariahrocks.com that's p-a-r-i-h-h-r-o-c-k-s Dot com. Also hit pariahrocks.com to stream or listen on a radio station near you. The regular two-hour Hard Heavy and Hair show with me, Pariah Burke. Hard Heavy and Hair is your weekly dose of hard rock, heavy metal, and hair bands from the 70s, 80s, 90s, 2000s, 20-teens, and today, including the latest new releases, your old favorites, and deep cuts and rare hair, along with rock news and trivia. This has been a Pariah Burke production. Copyright 2021. PariahRocks.com. The home of hard, heavy, and hair. Send requests, fan mail, and nude photos to hard, heavy, and hair on PariahRocks.com. Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at PariahRocks. Pariah